So we are all practicing here together. And uh, what is interesting is that uh, we have some practice, we have some experience, and also we have the text. And uh, somehow we can inquire what these texts are telling us. What are they talking about? What do they refer to? So from our experience, we can rely on a tradition. And sometimes we can also do the opposite. That means we can take a text and then get inspiration from the text and then rely it to our experience. So both are necessary. Texts are not uh, something uh, fundamental in themselves, but they can be used to the extent that we understand them and that they are uh, making sense. So uh, we have so far tried to make the relation with the gradual training in our practice. So they say that the gradual training is, uh, you know, someone asked about, uh, uh, about the quality. You may know that, but they compare the, the gradual training with the ocean. And they say that uh, just as the great ocean slopes, inclines, gradually, not dropping off abruptly. Just so, as the great ocean, the final knowledge that we find in the practice is come about, is reached by a gradual training, a gradual activity, a gradual practice. It does not come abruptly. So maybe a few of you, a few of you are just swimming in the depth of the ocean. Now, <coughs> so for a few weeks, we have, little by little, we have gone down gradually into the ocean of our mind. So where are we? And what uh, I'm going to try today is, uh, we have seen that, uh, I try to, we try to explain the four modes of mindfulness, huh? and, uh, and then the for the fourth, no, the fourth mode of mindfulness that consists in two uh, uh, analytical observation. This is what we are going to uh, try to uh, go into more detail today. So just before we reach again that fourth mode of mindfulness, I will just uh, review just briefly the, the, the first three modes no, that we spoke about. Also, the, f the, the modes of mindfulness are also related to the distance, huh? to the distance we are having in regard to the experience. So we have an experience, and then uh, gradually we approach, we approach what we want to understand. We want to understand life. Huh? We want to understand ourselves, and then our, the relation we have with the world. So for that purpose, the approach we have towards this phenomena is fundamental. So the first uh, mode of mindfulness speaks about just the, 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 the attitude of protecting ourselves. Huh? So we distance uh, ourselves a bit from the, from the experience just uh, to enable us not to be caught up in the unskillful uh, states of mind or unskillful action, just to have a kind of perspective that uh, gives us the possibility to make a distinction with what should be done and what should not be done. Uh, mostly in regard to the protecting of the mind. Then the second mode of mindfulness is still 
a general type of uh, mindfulness, but more with the movement. So when we are moving, then we are just in the activity itself, and then we are uh, developing our mindfulness there. Then the third type of mindfulness, the third mode, uh, speaks about uh, you know the, the mnemonic term that uh, uh, we gave for that is uh, surrendering. So we surrender. So that means. Uh, our practice has led us, you know, very close to the observation of a specific object, and then there is a very close familiarity with it, and then we get, we can get absorbed into that uh, object. So, before we end up, you know, uh, intensifying our observation of a specific object to the point of. A, eventually sometimes absorption, then we need to be very specific about the selection of object and the purpose for why we are developing such a close uh, observation of it. So the object itself that is going to be that we are going to be uh, chosen is the meditation object, no? and uh, the meditation object no? or the meditation subject that we have chosen has to be uh, dealt with a very uh, healthy uh, conditions. So we have to be psychologically, we have to be very well, and then also we have to understand very properly. And uh, so an healthy kind of rapport that we have within ourselves, and also the correct attitude we have towards the object is very important. So the faculties to have uh, a very balanced mind, huh? to have the faculties very much balanced, uh, is very important. And also, in regard to the objects, then we are so different. And also, there are so many uh, types of meditation uh, subjects that uh, are available to us with the text, but uh, we limited ourselves only mostly with the practice of metta and also with the practice of anapanasati. So it is very limited, only those two things. Huh? But uh, uh, you remember that at the beginning I, I spoke about uh, the not the mistakes but uh, the trial and error that sometimes the old teachers will do when they were teaching uh, disciples. And then I mentioned about Sariputta, you know, the, the chief disciple of the Buddha, that he also made some error sometimes when he was advising. Uh, some other people. And then, for example, in the case of uh, Raula, the son of the Buddha, then uh, 
the Sariputta was also uh, an elder that was uh, supervising the education of the of the child. Huh? The Buddha, who was his father, was also taking care of him. But also Sariputta was his uh, uh, mentor, kind of. So uh, we see, like you, you probably know that Sutta, but uh, we see. Uh, in that sutta, the Raulo, one of the Raulo Vada, we see that uh, we see we see uh, the difference that, that that has been made in regard to the approach. No? So, what uh, happens? Ju- just briefly, you can you can read the whole story by yourself if you don't know it. But uh, briefly, is that uh, the Raulo was the son of the Buddha, and then uh, he was kind of very proud of having the Buddha as his uh, as his father. So he was also very similar to him, you know, the, the future and everything. So so oh, you see, I'm just like I'm just like that. So to diminish his pride a little bit, then the Buddha gave him uh, meditation on the five aggregates, and then he said, well, the five aggregates, this is just what you are. And and then just see that as a, as non-self. So just be detached of this of this body and mind. Hmm? And so so then after the instructions, these specific instructions that Buddha gave him, uh, he went for meditation just by himself. You know, it was just to have an admonition admonition of the Buddha was enough for his day. But uh, when he was meditating by himself, then Sariputta, maybe a kind of uncle to him, uh, saw him uh, sitting there and then said, "Hey, you, you, Ravala, you should practice." mindfulness of breathing. So Raula told, uh, Sariputta told uh, Raula that he should practice Anapanasati. But actually this was not the Buddha's intention. This was not actually the the type of setup that uh, the Buddha was seeing in regard to the development of the of Rahula. So, most probably, uh, he saw that uh, some more balance or a more complete attitude and a, a correct approach will benefit greatly the the, the child who was actually you know a late teenager. And also, uh, also if you know, also the, the Rahula was the number one in the gradual training. Huh? So in the biographies of, of these people, you have some disciples who are specialists in some fields. So Rahula was the number one for the gradual training. But, so, but when it came to meditation, then it's the same thing. They didn't say, okay, now you just practice this one, and then you just see all the time only, only, on, one, only on one thing. So, uh, just to give you a, a brief, uh, a brief uh, summary of the things that uh, were introduced as a meditation subject to this uh, Raula, is that uh, the Buddha, you know, uh, gave him the meditation on the four elements, but. Uh, mostly as an approach, just as, as an attitude. And it's very beautiful. If we look at, at it, then he started actually with the body parts. Huh? So then he started to... to uh, maybe Raula already had the notions of the body parts. So with the, uh, the 32 body parts that are included in the traditional uh, divisions of these parts, then they were divided in four. Oh, and then you have a group, one group that is uh, combined with the earth, oh, and then another group compare, uh, combined with the water element, and then another group with the fire element, and then another group with the wind element, oh, like the, 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 the bones, and then the air, and the, 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 the teeth, and the, all that. This is the earth element. 
then the, the wind element will be the, the, uh, the air and the, the air that you have, you have in, in, the, in the stomach and, the <laughs> and then that goes from, uh, from all the the holes the, 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 the huh? and then the water is the same thing. Huh? So, so, but it didn't end up there. It didn't end up there. So uh, then with these four elements, he said, he didn't say you, you should see that as impermanent. He said, you should see that as non-self. You should see that as non-self. So he started with anatomical parts, which are just concepts. Huh? So the air, and then the bones, I mean, the, 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 I mean you, have, you have a specific uh, order, huh? but just uh, the air, the skin, and then the teeth, and then the, the, the bones, and then the, the nails, and all the parts. This is a concept. But then from the concept, it is the experience of it. That means you don't see anymore the bones, or the hair, or, or the skin. You experience them by way of the characteristics of the elements. Huh? So this is, this is one type of meditation, but this is not taken to a very uh, deep degree here, it seems. Huh? It seems that uh, that refer mostly to the approach that has, given, that, that, that has to be uh, undertaken in regard to, these, uh, to, the, to that body that has to be seen by way of the four elements. And then it, it, it has to be seen just as non-self. Not just as non-self. So, so sometimes we can sit and we experience all kinds of sensations. So these sensations can refer to the physical elements. Hmm? So heaviness, oh, we feel very heavy because we have eaten a lot of uh, very good carrot cake today. Also, oh, uh, it's very heavy. Also, oh, we feel like this. Or oh, sometimes we are just so much of energy because we took a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. So we have a lot of wind element. Then we are very excited. So just to experience these things as physical elements, but not only that, it's not. It's just. It's just elements. This is this is this is interesting to see how we can apply that to uh, to our practice. But not only that; like he goes a step further, and then he is including the whole universe somehow. And then we start to 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 lose that center of me because he says, "Okay, now you see this is the earth element. Huh? So the earth element that you find." in your body, then you have to meditate like the earth. So it just gives a, a, very, I mean, a very easy simile that we, that we can do. So look at the earth, the big earth, the immense earth. I mean, maybe not so immense compared to the universe, but at least the, the huge earth doesn't care when rubbish and then all kinds of things are thrown on the earth. The earth is just the earth. You see, we, we dump all kinds of things on the earth. And I mean, we complain about that more than the earth itself. So the earth itself is very passive somehow. Of course, there are some reactions, but uh, it, it does not complain so much as such. Hmm? So the same thing. Like outside, then you, we, we, we can expand our mind, huh? and it's okay now. This earth element that I find with my own experience and then with my own body, then I am not different than that earth. But then also, I have to adapt, I have to adopt the same uh, attitude 
in regard to whatever is happening. So then, if I feel all kinds of sensations related to uh, the contact of uh, things that are, that are, I mean, like, like the earth, then I don't, I, I don't react to it. So I'm just kind of passive, just like the earth. Whatever is strong to this body, whatever uh, things come in contact with the body, then I am just like the earth. I don't move so much. It's not, now it's me and then I, I, I want to, you know, to control the things. No, just the elements of earth. And then the same thing, he, he suggests voilà, to use the water element, just the same. So you see, you look at the, sometimes you, go, you look at the sea and then it's just so big sea and then so much of water there. Huh? And then the water is just the water and it does not uh, react so much in regard to what we are doing to it. Huh? It's just the water. So the same thing, that great mass of water that we can find in rivers and then oceans, then also we are just part of it. The rain also is the water, so we are not so much different from that. And then the same thing with the fire, and then also the same thing with the wind. Sometimes you have very strong wind, and I mean the wind is coming from everywhere, from so far away. The, oh, the universe is full of wind. So these four elements that we find in the universe, we have them in ourselves. We don't need to analyze so much here, the purpose is to develop a correct attitude. Just stopping for a few minutes to identify with that process. Just say, okay, now I am sitting here. Whatever I am experiencing, it can be related to a physical element. It's just the physical elements, and then these physical elements are just part of nature. I have nothing to do against it. Uh, I have nothing to do uh, to control that. They are just part of nature. Then, then, then you can see, like sometimes, you can try that and see which difference it makes instead of just trying to develop your... Of course, it, it can be good also, you know, to, to, to endeavor and then to put effort into a specific meditation subject. But the approach you have towards that will be much less dramatize if you see a whole picture of it and then that you, are, you are just part of, of something that is uh, uh, a little bit uh, uh, wider than what you think you are. And uh, after that, after the four elements and then the approach towards the, the four elements, then uh, the Buddha introduced, I mean not introduced, but suggest to the Rahula that he practices the four uh, Brahma Vihara. Oh, so then he says, okay, now you practice the four Brahma Vihara, that means starting with loving kindness and then going with compassion and then sympathetic joy and equanimity. So this is also a very skillful way to balance our mind, a very skillful ways to, uh, way to, uh, to, uh, to approach life. And then just with these very good mental setup that makes us very healthy, you know, and also that makes our environment, our relation to the environment very healthy. So this is part of the, the, the meditation subject that were given to him. And then only then, after about six type, six or seven types of many different meditation subjects, then he was put, Rola was put on Anapanasati. And then Anapanasati was given like all the steps that you find in, in the Sutta. So of course it's a story, huh? but uh, it demonstrates that uh, we don't need, uh, if we, we don't need always to stick to one 
and only one object of meditation. We have to see that our approach to our practice is healthy and then also that we are fine with it and also that we are interested and then that we, we find a kind of, a, a, of development that, that is coming together with it. And also sometimes, if we have the possibility, we can also change the meditation uh, subject. Then this is called surrendering. So when your mind is very happy and also very balanced, very clear, then the surrender is much easier. So it is gradual, it is gradual. It's not abruptly, and then also you are not forced. Okay, now you just do like this, and then stick that, and then hours and hours, all the day. No, it is a gradual type of inclination where the mind naturally will be more and more familiar and also more and more interested in what it is doing, purely for the purpose of uh, strengthening uh, its own quality. And also strengthening the quality that it has towards observing a specific phenomena. So now the object of observation is very specific and then we are very careful and then we, go, we, we come to observe it so much that we, 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 become, we, we can come to the extent of being unified with it. This is what is happening in, uh, when, when deep absorption is happening. So was Sariputta, was he wrong? By telling the, the, the Ahula, oh, you should practice Anapanasati, Sariputta was a great master. But according to his background, Sariputta didn't start from anything when he met the Buddha. He had years of uh, other types of practice. So when he encountered the Buddha, these years of previous practice were very helpful. And then after a few weeks, because of his maturity, he was able to, uh, to, 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 to succeed. Huh? But then uh, his, own interpret- his own experience made, it, uh, uh, made that he thought that oh, maybe this is the thing that uh, Tarola also should be thinking. So it's relative. But was it a mistake or was it not a mistake? Maybe the, the definitely here we see that a, a little variance uh, uh, had been uh, shown by the different attitude, by the different uh, uh, the alternative that the Buddha uh, showed to him. Sometimes also here you have some people and then they tell us, oh, well, why some people, they, they, they just go to the meditation and then they just get jhana and then they get samadhi very fast. Sometimes they, people ask us, you know, because we are always comparing ourselves. I mean, very often we compare ourselves with other people. So the question is asked. But the thing is that we never know what we have done before. So, uh, of course, uh, people who have practiced a lot before, then they come to something and then for them it's very easy because they had a lot of, uh, of experience. You know? And then sometimes also we see that uh, uh, we want to practice uh, uh, something and then we don't succeed and then we, we go back home or, or we do various things and then after a few years, like of practicing something, then we come again to the same thing and then it's very easy because we have the experience. So the material that we get just reinforce what we had been practicing by way of understanding what we were doing.
So now we will deal mostly with the mode number four, that is analytical observation. But still, uh, we have to remember that uh, if you are well with your meditation, that means if your meditation is going very smoothly and then you feel that you are progressing, whatever is your meditation subject, then you just continue like this and then strengthen these, uh, you know, like if you are in the mode number three, like uh, surrendering and then uh, developing the, the, the samadhi. Then you can just uh, you ch- you can just uh, go like that, and then later you can change to a more analytical modes of uh, observation, like uh, especially with the vipassana. We can say also that uh, analytical observation has uh, to be done all the time, right from the beginning. Uh, we have to analyze, that means we have to clearly comprehend what we are doing. This is very important. So this is a kind of analytical observation. That's why analytical observation can also be classified in what we call clear comprehension. Uh, So clear comprehension here was put only in the mode number number two, but the clear comprehension can also be divided and also be spread over this whole frame. So Sati Sampadhyanya has many levels. So if we were to take uh, the clear comprehension on the level of mode number four, that uh, uh, I, am try, I would try to uh, see today, uh, analytical observation, then that Sati Sampadhyanya refers to what the commentary classify as the Asamoa uh, Sampadhyanya, that means uh, on delusion, uh, non, uh, non-delusion type of, uh, so it's, very, it's deeper. So it's not only obser- uh, analytical observation of uh, causality in general, but in a deep, uh, in a deep way. So, what will be clear comprehension and also what will be analytical observation? So first, uh, we need to understand the what, the what of the experience. What are we experiencing? What are these phenomena? Once we know the what of what we are looking at, then we can find also the why and the how. That means once phenomena have been put clearly in front of us, or at, at least uh, uh, in our perspective, then we can make the link and we can find some kind of causality. We can find uh, you know, all the causal relationship and the various conditioning that these various phenomena happen to uh, to play with with it with each other, so it is very important. Hmm? And uh, also the clear comprehension or the analytical observation at this level, it will deal with the reality on a completely different scale of uh, uh, of uh, definition or, or, or of observation. The procedure the procedure will deal with the deconstruction and the analysis of our very experience. Also the deconstruction and the analysis of our very experience. 
So I think I said, but uh, the, 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 you know, various texts, then they use uh, different types of formats, different types of classifications and divisions uh, by which we can analyze uh, the, 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 the experience or by which we can uh, analyze uh, reality. And then it can be divided by two, like mind and body, Namarupa, or in five aggregates, the five khandhas. It can be divided in six. Uh, with the with the with the six elements, it can also be divided in twelve, and also it can be divided in eighteen types of classes. But also we can divide. We the, there is no end to the, these, these these divisions. So these divisions also can be subdivided and and things like this. It's just a way of uh, classifying and also actually just deconstructing our own reality to understand a little bit deeper, what are the roots of the problems and then also what are the dynamics that make uh, things happen. So it will have to do with uh, analysis and also synthesis. So our mind and body interact with each other and create more suffering or freeze itself from it. We have many books also, like if you are interested just to look how uh, language, how also systems have been developed, you know, in regard to these types of uh, understanding, then plenty of books will tell you uh, how you can divide it or how, how you can try to understand that. It's, it's important to adapt, to adopt a type of uh, explanation that will fit to our experience and, and, and actually a type of explanation that, that will be practical enough so that it makes sense and we can, uh, we can use it uh, appropriately. So now I will, dear, I will just quote a book, no, I will just quote a, a quotation. Oh. Yes, a quote, a quotation, this is a repetition, how do you call that? A, a, a quote, a quote, a quotation. I mean, it's not, a, it's a, a syllogism or, anyway, it's a repetition. So, like a repeat, I will repeat a repetition. So, So we are talking about the ocean, oh, the gradual training in the ocean. Some people think, oh, we are very far from the sea or in the middle of India. How did they know about the ocean? I mean, they didn't have the, the train or the buses. So it was miles and miles away from their native place. Maybe they had never seen the ocean. So here in the Sanyutanika, there is a, a, a text called The Ocean. Because the uninstructed worldlings speaks of the ocean, the ocean. But that is, but that is not the ocean in the, in the nobles, one's disciple in disciplines. That is only a great mass of water, a great expanse of water. The eye, because is the ocean for a person. Its current consists of forms. One withstands that current consisting of forms is said to have crossed the ocean of the eye with its waves, whirlpools, sharks and demons. 
crossed over gone beyond. The Brahmin stands on high ground. The here Bhikkhus is the ocean for a person. And then he goes on with the, the other uh, senses. And then the last one is the mind is the ocean for a person. Its current consists of mental phenomena. One withstands that current consisting of mental phenomena is said to have crossed the ocean of the mind with its wave, whirlpools, sharks and demons. Crossed over, gone, beyond, the Brahmin stands on high ground. So here we have a division of the experience by way of the six sense bases. The eye, the ear, the the body, and then the mind. And then, together with the respective objects, what comes in contact with these five and six bases. So the division is by way of six and six, twelve. Now also the following uh, sutta is also very similar to that, but it starts with the objects. And then also like, uh, this is not the ocean in the nobles, noble one's discipline. This is only a great mass of water, a great body of water. There are because forms cognizable by the eye that are desirable, lovely, agreeable, pleasing, sensually enticing, tantalizing. This is called the ocean in the noble one's discipline. Here, this world with its devas, Mara and Brahma, this generation with its ascetics and Brahmins, its devas and humans, for the most part, is submerged, become like a tangled skein, like a knotted ball of thread, like matted reeds and rushes, and cannot pass over beyond the plane of misery, the bad destination, the neither world of samsara. And then he goes on also with the, with the objects of... Uh, so here, this starts with the object. But also, the thing is that uh, we can start from anywhere. We could start from the sense basis, huh? so what we are experiencing, and then the relationship with the, what is happening to, to that. Or we can start from outside, that means oh, the sound, or the sight, or the touch, or we can start from the objects and then relate it to our senses. So first, we have to understand the what. Huh? So the what here are the six senses and then also the six uh, objects to that. So we see, we have seen also here that uh, it's speaking about uh, an ocean. Huh? So not only we have to swim in the ocean and then also reach the depth of the ocean, but we have to know what is happening in the depth of that uh, of uh, these oceans. Huh? And then these oceans are just ourselves. What is happening there? But also what is interesting is first of all the immensity, you know, the scope of uh, the spectrum that is given to us 
by its comparison. So we think, oh no, this small body, we are so small, oh, and then well, the universe is so big. But now, the body itself is being compared with an ocean. Infinite, I mean, just look at the ocean, how oh, vast it is. So this body with these senses are just the oceans. And also this, the, 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 the objects, also they are so infinite, they are just like the, in the ocean. So we can grasp anything, I mean, just, just, just very big. Huh? So to come to that uh, dimension, another point that I forgot to mention in regard to Raoula is that uh, he, the Buddha was talking about the four elements. Okay, now this body consists just of four elements. Huh? Only the four elements. But at some point, he is, as, he, is, he is adding the element of space. So what is the space making? So we can start like also the, 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 the different types of space are given there by we can know the space you have in the nostrils, the, the space you have in the ears, the space you have in the mouth, and then you know with all the space that you can find in your body and then also to the smallest little uh, space that you can find on your skin. What is, the prob- what is happening with space in relation to matter? Space gives us the possibility to, to separate. Huh? So if you look at a piece of a rock, huh? a rock, if you don't have the space in a rock, then it will be impossible to, to split it. And also in the body, it's the same thing. If we start to uh, divide and then look very carefully to even an atom, then we can find space there. So the space gives us the possibility to differentiate different types of elements. So if we sometimes, oh, sometimes we can try that, although we don't make uh, you know the element, the four element meditation as as uh, so so so, so uh, uh, clearly or so methodically. Now it's just general speaking about it. No, but we can try that. Sometimes we are just sitting there, and then we see okay, now the earth element, and then the fire. all these elements. Then I'm just this body is just the the, the earth and then the, the, the water and the fire and, and, uh, and the wind. But then if we are adding space, and then we put space in this body, then the dimension also start to spread out. And this is where we are able to differentiate between the sense base. Because we think, oh no, the eye is just part of our body. And then also the ear and the nose is just part of our body. But if we put space into it, then I mean, just the eyes just can just be... The, the, the organ of the eye, or the tongue is just the organ of the tongue. But still, if we are to put space inside the eye, then, again, a whole field of molecules. And oh, oh, what can we see there? And then, is it possible to see the, the, the eye as big as an ocean? Why not? I mean, we are used to, 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 to see things, you know, in the, in the proper dimension. No? But would it be possible to make our mind so small that the eye that we are looking at is just that big thing? And then we are in the eye, and then still the split with the space is being done. So that's very interesting. Somehow, I don't tell you how you can do it, but uh, it is very interesting somehow because we come a little bit more 
in, uh, in relation to the specific sense basis. So we can separate. I mean, just even if it, even if it was only to the extent of separating the, 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 the five and six senses, it would be very interesting to, to, to put a little bit of space in this, in this body huh? and then to see how, you know, the space that we are putting actually also put gives us a kind of distance with the, with the thing and then we are able to uh, look at the experience a little bit more clearly like the experience in relation to the contact that is happening this is the experience so the contact okay, with the eye and then the sense object the, the, the visual form the ear and the sound and then the body all kinds of, uh, of touch that is happening, sti- uh, physical stimuli that, that is happening there. So to be very close to that object, to these senses, also gives us the, relation, the, the, the possibility to understand the, 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 the base, physical base, and then also the object that comes in contact with it, and also the consciousness that is, that is arising at the same time of that. And then, with the consciousness still there, then another dynamic will have to be analyzed. Also, we have the, 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 the senses, but also, at some point, also the consciousness will enter into our observation. So, what is the consciousness? So, even like this morning, we, Shala gave a little bit of uh, descriptions of, about the mental factors, and now the, if we start with the, with the jhana factors, then we have five things, but also in every type of experience, there is a consciousness, and then with the consciousness, you can divide that into all kinds of mental formations, starting with the, with the feeling, and then the perception, and then the volition, and then the emotions, and then the quality of greed, or non-greed, or hatred, and non-hatred, etc. So you have a lower list, and then a full spectrum of, the, of different colors that can be applied to the mind itself. So the mind itself has also to be distinguished a little bit more precisely, a little bit more in detail, so that we are able to see within the mind the diverse, the different, the, 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 the various components that makes what we think is the mind. Otherwise, we think, oh, the mind, this is me, and then I'm just like that all the time. Sometimes I'm angry, of course, and sometimes I am greedy. Well, why not? And, but we think that we are that mind. But by putting that uh, possibility to dissect the experience, of mental phenomena gives us again a different perspective and then also a different uh, understanding of it because we see to which extent that mental experience is conditioned by different factors. So we come to understand the dynamic. As much as we are able to do that with the physical uh, uh, phenomena, like with, with the matter, to understand the what, all, all these, of what these, uh, seg- these uh, five senses or six sense base are composed, you know, materially, uh, then we are able to understand also how they are relating, the elements are relating with each other, like, like the components of the mental uh, aggregates and also the components of the, phys- of the physical aggregates, and then eventually how the two interact uh, with, the, with each other. So we come to a more subtler and subtler understanding of the experience. And that's all about 
mostly what the Buddhism or the Dhamma is talking about. We have to understand a bit more uh, precisely uh, what is happening, how it is happening, why also it is happening, and to which, which extent we, 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 we can uh, be involved into, uh, into improving it. Since I, I am talking about the similes of ocean and uh, things like this, there is another uh, another sutta just next to this one, and it's, it speaks about uh, the fisherman. So uh, it's the fisherman simile. So because suppose a fisherman will cast a baited hook into a deep lake, and a fish on the lookout for food will swallow it. That fish who has thus swallowed the fisherman's hook, will meet with calamity and disaster. And the fisherman could do with it as he wishes. So too, because there are these six hooks in the world for the calamity of beings, for the slaughter of living beings. There are because forms cognizable by the eye that are desirable, lovely, agreeable, pleasing, sensually enticing, tantalizing. If a bhikkhu seeks delight in them, welcomes them, and remains holding to them, he is called a bhikkhu who has, who has swallowed Mara's hook. He has met with calamity and disaster, and the evil one can do with him as he wishes. And then the same thing with uh, all the, 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 the other five uh, objects of, uh, of the senses. So this is very brief. And then also, is it a kind of a kind of a monkish type of sermon that speaks about, uh, you see, no. It's, it speaks, uh, no, do we get hooked sometimes in our life? Do we get fooled by all kinds of craving and all kinds of things that we think it's so important and, uh, and then we end up into trouble? Is it, if, it's, if it's not them, then no problem. We can just keep on continuing living without questioning anything. But if we have some questions, if we, are, if, we, if we want to understand deeper, then we can see, okay, now, in our life, do we get look at something that is a little bit uh, uh, untrue or that is a little bit delusive? Are we fooled by these things or not? So that's the whole thing. The practice is to, is to question our life, to question the way we are valuing it, also the way uh, we, we, we are dealing with it, and uh, also the ways that uh, we can actually improve it. But to come to an improvement, we have to understand deeply how we condition our seeing uh, and, and also living it. And I think this is the advantage of being in a meditation retreat. We can, we can see deeply our conditioning. So also like when we are like when we are practicing uh, now you are practicing like we were introducing the meditation on the samatha and then we are just practicing the samatha so somehow oh, we are just calming our our mind and and practicing uh, quietness and then clarity no? but also together with that sometimes we have an insight that that will be coming so it is very good to somehow 
being able to combine these insights with our practice. So sometimes we just keep our eyes very quiet and then we get very calm and all, all of a sudden we get these big defilements or these big kind of uh, questioning and then crisis and then you say, what is this and what is that and then you just find yourself a little bit of a, a trouble. So this is very good. Ah, this is very good because it, help, it helps us uh, just to, to, to back up and then to question about our motivation. To question also about, I mean, to which extent our practice is not again conditioned by a kind of craving, a kind of controlling, a kind of conditioning that makes us uh, just wanting and wanting and always wanting. And then even in, in, a, in the field of uh, uh, spiritually still craving for experiences and then uh, projecting these experiences with, uh, with, uh, with our world and then eventually just uh, ending up in suffering. So to be able to combine our practice of uh, tranquility, clarity of mind with insight, then it is also uh, very valuable. Here I will end up with, uh, again, uh, a simile that is related to the ocean. This is in the Anguttara. So uh, it speaks about the mindfulness of the body. Here, uh, Bhikkhu, even as one who encompasses with his mind the great ocean, includes thereby all the streams that run into the ocean. Whoever develops and cultivates mindfulness directed to the body includes all wholesome qualities that pertain to true knowledge. I find it interesting that uh, they compare the body to the ocean. And also they compare the, the ocean to the vast field of knowledge that we can get as a human person. So. I think sometimes also we can make some types of uh, relationship with what we are experiencing in the body, huh? like uh, all the tensions and, it, and, thing, and, and, and what we are experiencing in the mind. So from time to time we can see, we can investigate how these two are related. So this is still in the mode number four, that means analytical observation, hmm? but uh, it will strengthen also you know the other modes of mindfulness like especially uh, the no, the mode number 3 but like this we we can combine you know aspects of insight that we have done before together with our practice of samatha and the same thing the, the samatha also can be combined with the various practice of vipassana that uh, that we know So the deeper we practice, the deeper we understand just what what is there, right? And sometimes we sometimes it can end up with something very simple. Hmm? So so I like to end up with something very simple, and I hope that you understood a little bit what uh, I tried to talk about. Hmm? So if you have any questions, you can ask questions. Otherwise, I think uh, next uh, Sunday. Uh, maybe there will be a period of uh, of questions because I don't know it's difficult for me to say, okay, now what am I going to talk? And then I arrive with all these full of files and then, this, and then it's <laughs> a big disorder, right? So, 
so it's easier for me if I have a specific question. Okay, now what, uh, what would you like to maybe just to discuss? And so next Sunday, then uh, uh, you 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 could give some questions, and then we we can uh, we can uh, see what uh, can be responded respond to that. So thank you, and I hope you just continue your practice with motivation, and then just using this great opportunity to to deepen your understanding about uh, about our life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.